This is Soulful Living Radio, inspiring stories and expert guests to help you get out of your head and into your heart, with your host, Lisa Jamis. My guest today is Laura Gates, executive coach and spiritual teacher. Her 30-year career has spanned an early foray in banking on Wall Street, running a six-figure marketing business, and for the past 20 years, coaching clients in such organizations as the Navy, NASA, Shell Oil, Visa, and large Silicon Valley giants. She has always had her feet in two worlds, the world of business and the world of spirit. She has studied with wisdom teachers and healers from around the globe in the Mayan, Native American, and Aboriginal traditions, as well as shamanic trainings with Angela Zarian, Sandra Ingerman, Michael Harner, and Robert Moss. She holds a master's certification in intuition medicine, has studied the fourfold way leadership training, and she is a Reiki master. She is a sought-after speaker at industry conferences and is a featured writer at The Good Men Project, as well as has been published in various magazines. She is my teacher and my friend. I introduce you to Laura Gates. Hey, Laura. Welcome to the very first episode of Soulful Living Radio. Happy Solstice. I'm so excited to be at, on here at this very auspicious time. I know. Actually, I didn't even think it was solstice when we planned this, to be honest with you. I had no idea, but it makes so much sense considering it's you and it's me and soulful living. It's perfect timing. It really is. So I love that you're my very first guest. You know why? Because you are the reason really where one of the major reasons why I am where I am right now in my life because of your amazing retreat, which I'll talk about in a second. And um, because we're talking about the inner critic and being your own guru, I feel like you're the perfect person to have this conversation with and to really help people deal with their inner critic and smack it down or whatever you need to do to plow through and do what you want to do. And, um, I just have to tell you guys, first of all, anybody who's listening in here is that I met Laura in 2012. We were in a, a program together and a year later she created this amazing workshop and I was like a retreat workshop. And I was like, I have to be there. I have to be there. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I have to be there. And there came this wrestling match between my intuition and my logical, and I'm air quoting here, logical mind of which, do you remember this, Laura? You were, I was, we were in a Facebook messaging when I was trying to decide what to do. Do you remember that? <laughs> I think we were both drinking I, wine. That's what I was just going to say. I think you had a glass of wine in one hand. I think your feet were up. And I think it was very entertaining because I was literally in this existential you know, wrestling match, trying to decide if I should go. And um, my intuition won, thank goodness, because honestly, that retreat, as you know, I've shared this with you before, that it was literally life changing for me. And it, it just was extraordinary. I just think you're amazing. I just wanted to share you with with the world on, on yeah. with my community. Thank you. Uh, I have tears in my eyes. You can't see Aww. your air quotes. I have tears. <laughs> <laughs> the air quote tears. That's awesome. And so um, that's kind of the point of this series of podcasts is what I would love is for people to just meet, meet, you know, air quotes again, meet people like you that who have just done amazing things with your life. And I'm sure that you at one time were grappling with your own inner critic and your intuition. And I just was hoping you would share a little bit about where you started because hello, you went from from uh, Wall Street to coaching at NASA to intuition certification, intuition medicine, your story is incredible. So I was hoping you'd share a little bit about your journey, if you don't mind. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, it is kind of a twisted, <laughs> meandering tale. Um, but I grew up in the East Coast of the United States and to academic parents. So I grew up in a university town in the 60s and always kind of doing the not normal thing, I guess you could say. So I grew up in the 60s. That was a great time of turmoil where we were in the Vietnam War. My uncles were in the war. My parents were very active in social movements. So one of the things that happened is that we were bused into the African-American school in town. And that was very formative for me to sort of be an outsider, but also be included and learn to adapt to different cultures and different circumstances and really thought we were going to change the world. Like I felt at a very young age that I was part of a bigger movement of world peace and world love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then Kennedy was shot and Martin Luther King was shot and you know, all, everything started changing. And some of that was before I was in that school, but there was still this mindset that somehow just went away for me over time. And yes, I worked on Wall Street. So after I graduated from school, I went to work on Wall Street. And that was, again, one of those experiences, totally synchronistic. I was I bumped into a friend who offered me a part-time sales job they saw what I was doing in the bank. They offered to hire me into a program that I probably would not have been eligible for were I interviewed for that out of college. And are you are you kidding me? Intuition even brought you to frickin' Wall Street? <laughs> Synchronicity universe. That's incredible. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So, you know, it's always in hindsight that you look back and you go, wow, that happened and that happened. And then I met <laughs> that person and that person introduced me to that person. And I'm doing that job. And the whole story, I mean, I could spend three hours just telling the whole story, but suffice it to say that, you know, you think you know what you're doing, you're going after something. I thought I was going to work on an advertising agency in New York. I sent out hundreds of, if not thousands of resumes, mm -hmm. and I ended up working in banking, and that led me to many other things. But I can tell you as an executive coach today to say that I worked on Wall Street is almost like instant credibility. Oh, wow. So... Everything in hindsight makes sense. When you're in the turmoil of it, it, it feels like a swirl. And it's funny because when you introduced this, you said, you know, tell us how you overcame <laughs> your inner critic. And I'm like, uh, did I overcome that? Still. I that ever goes away. Like, I'm so glad you said that because one of the things I hear sometimes, not all the time, but I hear people say, conquer your fear and get rid of your fear and release your fear. And I'm like, no, that fear never goes away, man. It's, it's your, like what uh, Elizabeth Gilbert says in her book. Big magic, I think she talks about fear and how it's your constant companion. And it's your, one of your biggest teachers, I think. What do you think? I totally agree. And I, I will say that it changes. It, at least for me, it has changed. Thank God. I <laughs> used to be afraid of, I'm not afraid of. Um, new fears come up because new challenges come up. And I think if we're not growing and changing and adapting, you know, and not experiencing fear, we're probably too much in our comfort zone. And I, I, like everybody else, I like to be comfortable. I like a cozy life. Mm -hmm. um, but when I start getting too complacent, that's when the universe starts to shake things up a little bit and says, okay, you know, probably time to move along here. And, you know, sometimes it's dragging and kicking me out of my cozy little cocoon. You know, and so then the new fears arise. And so I say to people, like, for example, I don't, 
the fear for me isn't gone. It's the fears change. Mm-hmm. And, but I can look at that fear, you know, that thing where you look at, like, I'm pointing my fingers at my eyes and your eyes. And I say, I see you. Like, yeah. I know you. I'm familiar with you. And you're not going to get the best of me. Love it. I love it. And that's probably something you coach people on a lot, isn't it? What would you say? Would you say that's one of the the sort of themes, no matter what level a person is at in terms of their career or, you know, would fear you Fear coupled with maybe this is fear also self-doubt, mm-hmm. beliefs. You know, often I hear stories, like I hear the story all the time. I'm sure you've Uh, Well, you and I have talked about stories. Yeah. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. Uh, Everybody else is doing this. I mean, I was recently, you know, that I just put out there that I'm doing this Find Your Soul's Purpose Retreat. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking how (laughs) a few years ago when I started doing this, I would put that out there and suddenly I would get 50 emails in my inbox from 50 people who are working on finding your soul's purpose, finding your soul's blueprint, finding your soul. And I, at one point I said, forget it. Everybody else is doing this. It's old news. I'm not going to do it. And again, it happened today where it just, I was inundated with like everybody and their grandmother is teaching about finding your soul's purpose. And I had this insight of a, well, two insights. One, I must be really dialed in to a universal topic that everybody's talking about. And aren't I on the country? Yay, me. Yeah. Me, what if it's just cookies? Like, what if it's just the internet giving me back what I'm Googling and posting about and has nothing to do with you know, how awesome I am? And I, well, or, or me feeling like, oh, everybody else is doing this. Well, yeah, I'm getting yeah. that because that's what I'm putting out there. So right. I, I, you know, I'm getting a response of what everybody else is doing because just like when I go and look for a hotel in San Diego, I suddenly get all these offers for hotels in San Diego. That's because true. The, because when I Google that, Google knows that and they feed that back to me. Yeah, them spies. They follow you around. That's true. Because I, and I tested this with a client today. I said, you know, I've got 50 emails in my email, like five. <laughs> Finding your soul's purpose. And he said, well, I don't have any. <laughs> well, there you go. There it, like. So, and so you do struggle with that sometimes still. So what are the, some of the things you do for yourself? Do you mind sharing that help you manage that or work through it or tap into? Uh, laughing at myself. <laughs> so, I did that today. Laughing is good. Uh, I deleted all those emails. Instead of in the past, I would have read them all and compared them to what I'm doing. And what are they doing? What am I doing? And what are they charging? And how's it different? And how's it the same today? I just deleted all of them. Yay. Good. Uh, because I know that, and I told you this, and you know this, you know, I have a unique eye print, iris color, fingerprint, yep. voice print. Yeah. I whatever comes out of me about finding your soul's purpose and living, living what your purpose is here is going to be different than those five other people. It doesn't, it's not better or worse. It's just different. And there are, you know, seven and a half billion people on the planet. A fraction of those people are going to hear it the way I express it. And my unique experience and all the things that I've done to learn and be where I am today. And other people are going to hear somebody else's expression of that. Totally. And I, I think that some people need to hear it from you specifically. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I believe that some people are, they need to hear their message or their direction or their inspiration from a certain person at a certain time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when I had you, when I went to your retreat 
almost three years ago now. It would, that whole experience had to come through you as the vessel or whatever you want to put it. It was, it was you I was drawn to. It was the way that you, I could have heard the same sort of messages from someone else, but it, for whatever reason, you needed to be the person for me to hear that from. Do you know what I'm saying? Uniquely I do, you. Because I tell people, and I think this is, scares them when I say it, but I'll say, People are assigned to me, and I believe you have been assigned to me. Yeah, exactly. Lucky me. I feel so lucky. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do I? When I'm when I'm on the other end of those that steel-eyed, what do you call that? Steel. I've been at the other end of that steel-eyed, whatever it is, where it's like, oh, you know, spiritual smackdown. No, it's not at all. It's with love, all love. But it's yeah, and I do, I do totally believe that. And I remember even you saying that I believe at the retreat to all of us. You know, each one of us has our own unique way and pattern and expression that other people there's like you said there's so many different people in the world and that whole thing of it's been done to death or everybody's doing it it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter because of yeah there's only so many people they can serve and so many people you can serve and you know and yes and what i love about that also when we talk about fear is when I feel like someone's been assigned to me or a path has been given to me, it takes a lot of the fear out of it because I am the vessel. It's not about me, Laura Gates. It's about me, Laura Gates, and what am I here to do? And if people are assigned to me, then I'm assuming that I will be given the tools and the resources and the information and the knowledge that is being required of me to deliver to that person or that situation. Yeah, exactly. And when you think about it, it, I was just kind of had this hit of, you know how they have music, like certain songs, and then other people do covers of the exact same song, you know, same melody, same everything, but they make it their own. It's kind of like that in a way, isn't it? It's kind of like that expression is completely unique. True. Oh my God, that's amazing. So what kind of, you know, you've shared quite a bit with me, and now I'd love for you to share with other people, is what you use in your own life to sort of... Tap into that soulful. What what kind of things do you do in your life to tap in more soulfully and have a soulful living way about you, if you don't mind sharing? Well, I'm sitting at my desk, looking at it, the nature of my on my deck, and my husband likes growing plants and flowers. So I'm nature is a really big important piece for me, and I. I think some people don't think of it as spiritual per se, but for me it really is. If you think of shamanic or indigenous cultures, the spiritual aspect of their lives was all about the natural elements. I have a crystal in my hand as I'm talking. (laughs) I have a candle lit. I burned some sage at the beginning of this just to kind of get myself oriented in a certain direction. I rattle a little bit on my rattle and... For me, that's calling in the energies to support me. That's grounding myself and being present with myself. And every time I do a conversation like this that I know that's going to be broadcast and other people are going to hear it, it's almost like I feel that coming towards me. Mm. Mm. And I I don't prepare. I, I always judge myself that I don't prepare very well, but it's also because... Until I'm in the room or on the call and knowing it's weird because I don't, I have no idea who's going to listen to this, but I kind of am speaking to who's going to listen to this. Yeah. 
I don't, do I ever get that? I totally, because I'm the same way. I really, as you know, I've kind of thought, well, this will organically, you know, didn't really have a set map or anything, but I just, same as you trust that it'll unfold. And I love, I love that, that you have a crystal in your hand. (laughs) That is super cool. One of the things I love that you have on your website, and actually, I think it's in your ebook too, and you talk about it at your retreat, is the idea of a soul sign language. Can you tell us what that's all about? I'd love to hear more about that and share that with people. Sure. Well, you know, I really do believe that, as you've heard earlier, that we all have a purpose, a reason for being here. And I like to believe that we're not just stumbling around clueless in the dark without any guidance. And so what I call this is trying to decipher and identify what is our sign language? How is the universe, God, Allah, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) trying to communicate to us and help guide us on the path and help show us the way. So an example I have, and, and it, I also want to say that sometimes we think it's like, oh, hearts and flowers and rainbows and beautiful doves flying in front of us. And, but sometimes it's challenges, right? Sometimes the door closes and we're standing there banging our head on the door like, why is the door closed? <laughs> and it's like, why can't we see that as a sign, right? We, we want to see the open doors and the, and the frolicking and the pastures. We don't, we don't like it when there's a no, yeah. Uh, but so recently, last week, actually, I was working with a client and I was lost and I was in traffic and I'm in a town that I don't know. And I was kind of on a seedy part of the city somehow all of a sudden. And I pulled up to a stoplight and I, I will admit I don't feel good admitting this about myself, but there was a guy in a wheelchair panhandling next to my window and I mm. totally ignored him because mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm late, I'm stressed, I'm sweaty. Like, I can't deal with this person. And I look at the car behind me in the rearview mirror, and there is a woman pulling money out of her wallet. And as she she starts to hand it out the window, she changes her mind, opens the door, gets out of her car, hands the guy the money, and hugs him. Oh. And I swear he grew taller. He got more animated. Mm. And I noticed that he had, like, a little... U.S. flag on, and he was a veteran. Oh, my gosh. And I just felt, on the one hand, I felt horrible, like I'm a horrible person. (laughs) And on the other hand, I thought, my God, this woman is an angel on earth. She Mm -hmm. had on, um, you know, scrubs like a nurse. Mm -hmm. I thought, this woman works probably night and day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how much money, but, you know, and here she is getting out of her car to hug this guy and give him money. It would just... It, I just felt tearful watching it. Oh. And I, in that moment, I thought, you know what? I have been redirected to witness this little miracle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because yeah. if I was on time and in the right place, I was not supposed to be on that street corner. And somehow I landed on that street corner to witness this beautiful act. And then on top of that, as I was pulling away, she pulled in front, she pulled beside me and in front of me. And then her license plate said 222. Shut the front door. <laughs> and for me. Are you kidding are, me? Here we are talking on June 22nd. There's something. About oh, my the- God. You're right. 222 and 222. I just feel like those are like little winks and nods like, hello. Or when you see 111 on the clock all the time. I see 111 all the time. Oh, my God. Um, I just feel like that's a little wink saying, hey. You know, we yeah. see you. We're here. We're watching you. Yes. 
Oh my God, I love so that. It was story. almost like the affirmation <laughs> on top of the witnessing of the angel on earth miracle. As like, if you didn't, as if that wasn't enough. It was like yeah. one more zinger to get you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. And so, um, what about being your own guru? I love that you use that phrase. I think it's genius. And because people do have so much power within them that they're not even aware of or don't trust or whatever you want to say. I think that's a big part of it is people do have such wisdom inside them. But even when they hear that voice, they don't trust it, you know, because they kind of wave their hand and I got it. I got it. I'm going to go ahead and plow ahead with my smart brain. And they tend to ignore their intuition and plow ahead and, you know, so tell me about Be Your Own Guru and how can people learn to do that a little more effectively? First of all, I really need to give credit where it's due, which is my sister Janice, the teacher. And she, uh, one day I, was, I sent her an email and I said, well, you know, I think I'm going to do this class and go to this workshop and hire this person and blah, blah, blah. And she <laughs> emailed me back and she said, Martha, and that's her nickname for me. She said, no, Martha, <laughs> why don't you be your own guru? Shut up. I didn't know that. That's where that came from. I love it. And I said, I'm using it. That's it. I'm taking it. Be yeah. your own guru. Yeah. Unfortunately, that uh, website's already taken and the book's already taken. We but hate. I loved it anyway. Yeah. And as you know, I taught a class named that. Loved it. And the concept and the, what I what I loved about taking the class was, for example, six weeks of not conferring with any external guru sources. <laughs> No classes. Listen, no that's like that's like an addiction, though. Honestly, uh-huh. to cut myself yeah. off from that is painful. I know. Yeah. 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 Or like if you have a dream, you don't really have to write it down and look it up. Or if you see an animal, you don't have to find out what it means. <laughs> like, figure it out. Like find your own inner resources and and tap into what is your thinking about this what is what are your insights about this what's your intuition about this so the idea was sort of guru deprivation yeah or, you know external hunger for more information and 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 sort of blocking that out to see what emerges from inside love that i'm not i you know i'm not anti-guru i you know, or anti-teacher. I know that people read books and have awakenings and insights or travel or I, you know, I've traveled to the Australian outback and studied with Aboriginal healers. I've gone into the mind jungle with mind healers. I mean, I, I'm not averse to those learning paths. I've, I've learned a ton from those people. Mm-hmm. But like you said, we can either, it can become an addiction where we lose our own bearings of like, well, who am I? What do I think? And maybe I have a guru inside myself. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a, exactly when I do readings at the store, do tarot readings at the store occasionally, there is a person who comes in all the time. And one time this person came in like two weeks after I had just done a reading for them and they didn't want a reading that day. But I actually would have told them, listen, you know, you need to trust your own intuition because they were and I wasn't the only reader they were coming to. They were going to other readers and other readers and psychics. And it was it was kind of sad in a way because they had no inner they had no trust in or even actually being able to access their intuition it was so cut mm-hmm. off which is because right. i think what you're talking about is just relying as a crutch almost you know yes yeah and no. that comes from a place of fear totally okay. yeah back to fear exactly there you go well, and not realizing that we have that ability inside of us not taking the time or the even giving ourselves a possibility of cultivating that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And so one of the ways people can cultivate is to have a period of time where if they feel like they're reaching out. I find like for me personally, when I'm in a place of trying to decide what to do, let's say between two choices, and if I find that I'm spending days and sometimes weeks reaching out to all these different ways of trying to figure out if I should do it, like maybe flip tarot cards over or do it or like, um, what do you call that? Pendulum or maybe I'll, you know, then I realize that I'm actually... I need to just stop all of that and get quiet. Is that that's kind of one of the things people should do? What are some other things people can do to maybe be their own guru? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes stopping being quiet doesn't work for people because their their brain just is yammering away at them. I mean, I'm a big fan of dreams and listening to our dreams. Mm. Um, you know, I I love this chart. I need to get a copy of this chart. There's a graph out there somewhere of how people like, Jung and Freud and Mozart and, I don't know, Churchill, how people spent their time mostly sleeping, eating, and walking. Wow. Back way in the day before technology. Yeah. So Jung and Freud, and there's a few films about them, you know, they're always like on a ship. Yeah. Chatting about stuff. Yeah. Or they're strolling through the gardens <laughs> or they're having tea or they're having whiskey and a cigar. The the way that people got insight and intuition and tapped into that was not sitting at a computer and tweeting about it. Yeah, that old man. Oh, you hit something there big. Woo! Yes, preach! Preach, sister, <laughs> preach! Yes! There's so much noise out. It's ridiculous. But, I, you know, we're all guilty of it. That's the pro Oh, you're so right. Right on there. Yes. So and when did, I read that, when I saw this graph, and I and I will try and unearth it and send it. Great. Um, it, it, you know, and they it, right. It, it it actually shows, you know, in twenty four hours, six hours of reading and journaling, uh, four hours of walking. I mean, I don't remember what it was, but holy crap! So such a mind shift. Now, of course, they weren't the laborers, you know. Yeah. building concrete slabs for eight hours a day for three cents. But <laughs> still, you know, the, the creativity and the ideas didn't come the way that I think we think it comes. And I have not yet read um, Elizabeth Gilbert's latest book, but I, I have heard her speak on this subject of, you know, how the creative idea comes down to you. And if you're not available for it, it's going to go somewhere else. I and Yeah, go ahead. It's the same thing. If you're not mm -hmm. strolling along through the gardens and you're, you know, cramming your head with all this stuff, how can anything else enter into it? You're so, that is so it. And, you know, there was an article you shared a while, well, probably a couple of years ago now, about this sleep. Do you remember this? How in the olden yeah. days, would you share it? I love this. This is well, along the same lines, right? Well, this is along the same lines, but also in terms of anxiety and fear. Mm -hmm. So my greatest anxiety is always in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And it's usually coupled with, oh my God, I'm exhausted and I can't back, get back to sleep and I have to get back to sleep because tomorrow I have to do blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the all the EBGBs happen at 3 a.m., right? Yeah. And I read this article and it's on, on BBC and it talked about two sleeps. And it said that, you know, before we had electricity, people would go to sleep when it was dark, wake up after having, like, slept a certain amount of time mm -hmm. and get up, eat, read a book, you know, can procreate their, <laughs> you know, they would, they'd say, okay, sleep number one is over. 
Now I'm going to do my activities between sleep one and two. And then when I'm ready, I'm going to go back to sleep number two. So instead of this idea that, oh, my God, I'm awake. I shouldn't be awake. Yeah. You the clock. I've got to force myself to go, go back to sleep. You say, oh, OK, part one's up. Now, where am I hungry? Do I want to journal? Do I want to? I literally can't even. I get I usually get very pissed off at like three in the morning when I can't get back to sleep. There's no, you know, thought of I can't even imagine wrapping my head around having that attitude. But wouldn't that be amazing to be able to try that? Well, I have that attitude now and it has changed my life. Really? You're able to clients life. Really? You've actually you're practicing that. And it's that's incredible. I have no more anxiety in the middle of the night. Wow. I'm so jealous. Okay, I'm going to try that and I'll report back how it goes. Please do. I mean, I've had clients who said this has changed their life because they, you know, and I, it's funny, my father-in-law is 95 and he's British and when he stays with us, he'll get up in the middle of the night and make a cup of tea and I'm thinking, are you on drugs? Like, (laughs) first of all, black British tea in the middle of the night is fully caffeinated and he would have a snack and have his tea and, and I thought, my gosh, he's living and he's born in 1920-something, right? Like, he's yeah. still living on that <laughs> yeah. spectrum. That's right. And I don't think people realize that is really your normal rhythm. That people think that, oh, I should sleep for eight hours straight. But actually, that's not true. There's different phases of sleep where you're more, that's just normal. But people yeah, keep don't. keep in mind, they didn't have electricity. That's true. They went to bed when it was dark. The circadian, they follow the circadian, so yeah, it rhythm. is, ideally, you want to go to bed earlier mm-hmm. so that you're not, going to bed at 1 a.m. and waking up at 3 a.m., also eliminating things like, you know, over-caffeinating, over-alcoholing, all that helps a lot as well. Not eating too much right before you go to bed. All those turning off all devices an hour before you go to bed. I mean, all those things are what create optimal sleep. And, okay, this is going to be like the wacky-sounding part of what I say, that, that it's coming to me to say it, so I have to say it. <laughs> Which is, you know, I get messages from people who say, I dreamt about you three nights in a row. And I, it's not those kind of dreams. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like you're yeah. teaching or people say, oh, I was in a classroom last night and you were teaching blah, blah, blah. Or I was in a classroom with you and we were in a breakout session and you and I worked on blah, blah, blah. Wow. Like I get this all the time and I'm thinking, man, I'm like working overtime. <laughs> in my sleep. You know, what the hell? How am I working all day long? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I really see our sleep as, so here's this insight I had the other night. Yeah. Also, not a pleasant thing about myself. Uh, I can't help it. So, you know, I, you know, I like my wine. The other night I had a few glasses of wine. I woke up, I wasn't feeling so good. And I thought, you know, having wine before you go to bed, if you are in fact in a classroom at night, it's kind of like going to school drunk. Yeah. Why would you do that? If right. You go to school and learn stuff. Why would you have a glass of wine before you walk in the classroom? Yeah, because you're thinking like dreams are at the classroom. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah. Or, or at least you know, it's either it's the classroom. or you're or you're in someone else's dream teaching. You or, don't. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's even worse, right? If I'm going to go teach, am I going to drink? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and and then also, but it's also the the place where you're receiving all this great information and your brain is resting and things are getting reoriented and putting filed away. Like what we want our brains to be optimally conditioned to do that work when we're sleeping. Yeah. And I love that you've put that out there because so many people will, I think get, get frustrated that they can't meditate or get their mind quiet. Like you said, it does not work for probably a, most people in our culture anyway. And the idea of being more active with, you know, like you said, not necessarily the tweeting and the Facebook, but out getting out with people and connecting with people or with nature or an activity that's 
You know what I mean? I love that. That's yeah. I, nature is you know walking on the beach, wa- walking on a trail, even mm-hmm. just sitting in my garden for a few minutes is and watching the birds and that for me is my best form of meditation. I really love guided meditations mm-hmm. where it's not just me having a blank mind, but I'll wake up and just listen to 10 minutes. There's something called Insight Timer that I think you can download for free on your iPhone and it has a gong so you can do 10 minutes of silence with a gong or anyone can put a guided visualization up there. So every day I just pick, you know, 10 minutes of some British guy guiding me through (laughs) a rainforest and the next day it will be waves and whale songs and the next day it will be, you know, so, you know, music in the background. So I, that's what works best for me because my brain is so active mm-hmm. that just having someone guide me with some soft music in the background is really helpful. That's awesome. That is fantastic. So now, now I want to talk about your retreat because it's coming up in September. And would you share a little bit about where it is and what's involved? And I'd love for you to share with everybody what it is. So this is <clears throat> north of San Francisco. And it's funny because the year you came, I think I had three for four Canadians coming to <laughs> That's my, true. I'm like, yes. I have trees in Canada. That's, like, there was. There was three, there was four of us in there. That's uh, there was almost half of, of the half, group was Canadian. Canadians <laughs> and half, you know, uh, Texans. That's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um so it's in the Redwoods and I and I really do feel like the people who come are equally sold by the redwoods as by me that Mm -hmm. there's some message in those ancient trees that some of us are just here to receive Mm -hmm. um this year i'm i'm changing it slightly i'm calling it leading with soul because i'm really interested in people who want to take charge of their lives and create their lives so it's less about, oh, here's all my problems. What do I need to fix? And more about what have I overcome that I'm really ready to now kind of lock it in, move forward and make things happen in my life. And maybe even you're already doing that, but you need a little time, a little space. I'm going to have one entire afternoon of silence. Oh, wow. Uh, required silence. Now, my sister does three and four. I know. I remember <laughs> And people are like, that whole afternoon, are you kidding me? And you're like, listen, I didn't talk for four days. <laughs> yeah. So, as you know, I've done vision quests in the woods by yeah. myself with no food, no water, uh, very little shelter. Wow. And so this is a mini version of that where you get the Echo Lux cabin lodge. and the ca- I have to bed. say, those cabins are, first of all, I just have to say it to everybody who's listening. Those ca- the the you cannot beat the cabins there. You can't even call them cabins. I don't know what no. you'd call them. They're incredible, and the food is unbelievably good. And, and I don't it's know. gotten a lot better in three years. I oh, think. I can't even imagine. <laughs> even anyway, than- I had to just interject there because it really is extraordinary. I just loved it every second of. Well, anyway, go ahead. Yes. So the idea is to. Unfortunately, they do have Wi-Fi, but the idea is to <laughs> somewhat, you know exclude ourselves from the world, get quiet, get in touch with what it is that we are here to do and recalibrate, really. If if I've gotten too busy or too distracted or I've taken on too much, are there things that I need to cut away? If I'm overly focused on the wrong things or overly anxious about the wrong things, can I just let that go? Mm-hmm. So 
there's going to be some things that we did three years ago that are similar. I'm a big fan of vision boards, not the secret kind of vision boards, but the way that I learned from my teacher, Angelus Arian. And, you know, that will be a part of it. Yay! You know, spending time in nature, spending time with other people who are there for similar reasons. We learn so much from each other. And this is what I love about doing these types of things in a group is, you know, as someone who does a lot of one-on-one coaching, I see the exponential shifts when we're doing it together in a group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I know you know this because you've been there, the magical connections that happen with people that you would never expect. It's unbelievable. Uh, and it, it's just, it becomes its own being almost. Yes, this, yeah, yes. it really is amazing and life-changing. And so if anybody's listening and they're wondering, oh my God, I don't know if I can just do it. Don't even hesitate because, you know, and it's and the thing is, too, is people are led to, you know, you really feel a call to participate in something like this. Really, it does feel for me anyway, it feels like a calling. It's just this you just feel. And actually, the way I made the decision last time was I just knew I couldn't. And, it, you know, it took me forever to decide. And then I poor you. I was just like, OK, I'm coming. No, I'm not coming. Yeah, I'm coming. But eventually I just knew I couldn't not be there. That was not even an option. So I, if, if anybody's listening and you're having that feeling, even just a, an inkling of it, check it out and definitely um, would love to uh, see you at one of her retreats because they're amazing. Well, I just love hearing all the changes that you've made as a result. So that's that's been exciting to witness. And it really, you really were the catalyst. I'm not even exact, and I tell everybody that. I give credit where credit is due because you just have this absolute, and I think I told you this before, but you have you have a way of knowing when to lead and when to allow you know that's a very fine line of when because the group is like i said it's like a being you have to ride the wave and surf it and sometimes you have to it's just you're just well obviously that's you're in your totally one of your soul's purposes when you're in there you can just tell it's just Mm. it's just amazing so i thank i thank you for that and also, I thank you so much for being a part of my first episode. I feel so honored that I could I could cry feeling like welling up right now because I'm so moved that you would really do the honor of, of sharing your time with me and with us, those of us, those folks that are listening in. And I can't wait to see you again. And I'm just so excited for all the things you're doing in the world. And, and you know, I just adore you. So thanks again so much for being here, Laura. Thank you. I'm so glad to help you launch this endeavor because I'm excited for you. So, Yay. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you everyone for listening in to Soulful Living Radio where we hope to inspire you to get out of your head and into your heart. And we will see you next time.